0: Welcome to A Passion to Serve. My name is Don Kutnicki and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a big fan of storytelling and during the podcast, we'll be sharing real human stories about migrant and seasonal farmworkers and the work that's being done on their behalf. For example, do you know about the contributions of migrant and seasonal farm workers to the United States economy and the challenges these farm workers face on a daily basis? What about services for farmworker youth in order to lead them on the path towards self-discovery and self-sufficiency? And what about lessons learned by leaders who have dedicated their lives to serving others through a variety of programs? These stories and so much more will be part of a passion to serve. I hope you decide to join us on this path of discovery. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of A Passion to Serve. Today I'm speaking with Isabel Gross, who's the Occupational Safety and Health Project Coordinator with Farmworker Justice. Isabel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
0: So we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about the Medicaid Enrollment Initiative, but whenever I do an interview, Isabel, I'd like to get a little bit of background information. Could you tell us just a little bit about your educational and professional background?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm from the D.C. area, which is where I'm now working with FJ. Um, I studied at Haverford College in Pennsylvania. I studied Spanish and anthropology. So uh, Latin America and all of the cultures therein um, have always been very important to me. Um, And then after college, I went to the Peace Corps in Guatemala, and I was living in a small, uh, very rural, primarily indigenous community. Um, and I was actually an agriculture volunteer, which was amusing because I didn't really have much agriculture experience. I'm from the suburbs, um, but it was primarily a teaching of trainers and, and empowerment program. Um, so I learned a lot about agriculture, and I had the opportunity to um, help support some local leaders developing their um, agriculture groups, and then um, some stuff with women's rights as well. Um, and after my uh, return, I was almost done my service, we were evacuated, um, and after that, I began work at Farmworker Justice in September, so still fairly new, but all of the experiences I had there um, with, you know, farmers and people who practice agriculture daily um, in Guatemala have really informed my my work with FJ. So.
0: Yeah, I grew up in a small community in northern Michigan, and after college, I started to work with the farm worker population, and I don't know if it was like this for you in the Peace Corps, but it was mind blowing. It was like a whole different world that I was completely unaware of. And it was very interesting. And in some cases, kind of frustrating, disheartening, some of the struggles that we see. And I'm, I'm wondering, has that been part of your experience as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is frustrating, right? These are people who are essential to our country. Um, They make it possible for all of us to eat, and yet they're so excluded from our legal system, um, from social services. Right now, you know, they're sometimes excluded from the relief bills for COVID, um, and yet they're going to work every day. But I I think there's also an element of I really respect the pride that farm workers have in their work, right? I try not to see them as victims. Yes, they're not treated as well as they should, but I think farm workers, you know, some of them go to work not only out of necessity, but because they want to finish that harvest. Um, you know, and there's a real expertise in agriculture and in agricultural labor. Not just anyone can do that. Not just anybody knows how to pick the strawberries right, um, you know, which cherries are still good and which aren't. Um, so. Yes, it's incredibly frustrating, but it's also very motivating um, to see the pride that people have in the work and the resilience of the community, despite all they they endure.
0: I completely agree then. You know, you can ask any growers about the importance of our farm workers and the skills that they have to do the work and to do it as well as they do, Um, which is a pretty nice segue into really what we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about, which is the Medicaid Enrollment Initiative, and the farm worker population will be a part of that, but let's first start with what is the Medicaid Enrollment Initiative as well?
1: Yeah, um, it's a wonderful project, which is um, run by Community Catalyst, a health nonprofit, um, and it's a response to falling Medicaid enrollment in four states, which are Michigan, Texas, New Jersey, and Florida. Um it is an education initiative more than an enrollment one. there is some enrollment, but the idea is mostly to get correct um, and accessible information about Medicaid out to populations in those four states so that they are empowered to make um, decisions about their health and they're empowered to access health care. Um, and the project is targeting traditionally under enrolled groups um, so that is includes farm workers but also other, um, immigrant populations, other minorities. So, um, Unidos US is another project partner. Um, I know CenterLink, um, which is, I believe, a network of, of, LGBTQIA serving, um, health centers. So it's, it's targeting a lot of different populations who, for one reason or another, are not participating as much in that, in that system.
0: What well, Telemi Corporation is participating in the Medicaid enrollment initiative and, in- And one of the first questions that I also have for you is what are some of the factors contributing to the lower enrollment for Medicaid?
1: Sure. I mean, there is a question of eligibility, um, right, that, you know, for reasons of citizenship or or other things that um, not all farm workers are are eligible. Um, But there's a lot of misinformation out there, right? There's there's information um, incorrect that, if you enroll in Medicaid, it will negatively affect your chances of obtaining citizenship in the U.S., that it would fall under the public charge laws, which is not true. Um, and so that's with farm workers. That's, that's a really big factor. Um, I think it's also, you know, a lack of information in language that people understand. Um, farm workers, the large majority are Spanish speaking. I think it's about 75 percent are are more comfortable in Spanish. Um, but there are also other languages represented there. Haitian Creole is a big one. There are a lot of Creole-speaking farm workers, and there's an, a growing number of farm workers who are from Latin America, but their first language is not Spanish, but an indigenous language. Um, so, you know, language can be an issue if you can't understand the information that you're reading, which is often highly technical, which may not correspond to something in your home country. Um, it may be very hard for you to enroll.
0: I also think, too, that be, even looking beyond the farm worker population, a lot of these other specific populations that we're targeting through this initiative, I think by and large, they really do not want to bring up a whole lot of attention to stuff. I think that may also be some of the lower numbers of Medicaid enrollment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think something, too, is that Families in the farm worker population, but also, you know, in any immigrant population, right, are often mixed status. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, one member of the family might be eligible, but another isn't. And so, you know, sometimes they just don't necessarily understand that distinction because they're making decisions as family. And that's, I think, one of the purposes of the initiative is, you know, let's see what we can do for, if not you, then at least someone else in your family, one of your loved ones, right?
0: So through the Medicaid enrollment initiative, you know, the communication is going to be very important about what Medicaid enrollment is and what it is not. And, and you hit upon something that is really important too, that somehow you're really, you're not putting an arrow on your back if you're participating in this. It won't affect your ability to move forward, move forward with the citizenship process, for example. Can you uh, discuss some of the available services through Medicaid enrollment that would really benefit a lot of these targeted populations?
1: Um, sure. So I'm going to just first qualify this by saying that I'm, I'm not an enrollment expert and I'm not a Medicaid expert. Um, the community catalyst who is running the, the project has been really wonderful about having sort of Medicaid 101 um, calls and, and resources available. Uh, for people so that they can learn about about Medicaid. But, um, you know, you can have there's low cost uh, visits to to primary care physicians. Um, I believe there's some more access to to specialists. I think the most important thing is it's, it's low cost health care. Right. Um, and if not for parents, then it may be low cost health care for their children. And, you know, children, as we know, are generally healthy, but they do need their, their regular visits. And with more preventative care, um, you need less kind of direct acute care, right? And so I think it's, it's really about that. It's about getting people regular care that they can actually afford um, so that then the crises are less acute.
0: So we've had a lot of conversations, some meetings, to kind of getting everything ramped up to move forward with the Medicaid enrollment initiative, and there's there's been some really good documents that have been put together, different strategies and ways for us to communicate what this really is and and the intent of uh, getting more people enrolled. How do you see this being rolled out in 2021? Um, what are some of the next steps we're currently working?
1: On? Um. So many things. First of all, I just really want to acknowledge all of the work that our community partners, such as Telemann, um, our other three are Lupe La Union del Pueblo Entero in Texas, um, East Coast Migrant and Seasonal Head Start Project in Florida and New Jersey, and um, Farmworker Association of Florida, also also in Florida. Um, And I think, you know, next steps, Farmworker Justice always tries to um, open spaces for community partners to converse among themselves. Um, a big conversation we've been having, as as you would know, right, is how can we serve farm workers who migrate from one place to another? Um, you know, farm workers might live in Florida, but then when the harvest season comes in Michigan or New Jersey, move up there, and they may or may not bring their families with them. And so the question is, if you're enrolled in, you know, Florida, then if something happens to you in Michigan and you're not enrolled in Medicaid there, what do you do? Um, so we've been having some really great conversations among community partners about, you know how can we use this collaboration, the fact that we have community partners in four states to try to serve those people better. Um, and so, you know we've been talking about some organizations give packets of documents to farm workers when they are about to leave, and so including information about the Medicaid program and the destination state in that packet. Um, other other organizations have talked about placing targeted radio ads or, um just having targeted materials uh for example in Texas alerting people that when they go to Michigan they would be eligible for um for Medicaid there right um you know i think also in terms of communication farmworker justice likes to really listen to the on the ground experts who are you all at the community organizations and then try to communicate that um what what you tell us the information that you have from the ground to higher-ups, right, to policymakers, makers, to uh, we try to serve as that conduit. And so we're also, you know, really carefully listening to the experiences that everyone has, um, you know, what's going on during the pandemic, what's going on with this Medicaid outreach, what are the barriers we're facing in getting information out there and getting people enrolled, um, and also trying to kind of bring that to people who are functioning at a national level, um, at a policy level, so that, you know, we can not only empower farm workers, but also change the systems in which they exist
0: you hit on a, a real important word, and that's collaboration. And that's one of the things that Telemont Corporation, that we're so appreciative of being uh, a group or a part of this new initiative because it really opens up some new opportunities and some new doors for us to connect with different agencies who have additional connections to the farm worker population. And really, everything that we do, Isabel, as you know, it's all connected, and it really needs to be connected because our First, know our, our agency resources can only go so far. So that collaboration with each other is critically important that, you know, is an, uh, a, an example, we had an anonymous donor that provided Michigan with funds to provide some financial resources for farm workers that were negatively impacted by the pandemic. And through that connection, that's going to be a group of individuals, families who we are going to be reaching out to to make sure that they have this important information about Medicaid enrollment. And we have other communications that's going on with some of these other partner agencies. So I really thank Farmworker Justice for spearheading this, this initiative in getting all of these players together, because it's so important. And, and I think in particular, the pandemic has really added to the degree of difficulty. Can you talk a little bit about how we've been approaching some of these strategies in, in, In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah,
1: Um, again I'd like to start by acknowledging our community partners. I mean organizations on the ground have been asked to do so much more than they already do, which is a lot, Um, but I mean now you all are distributing PPE, you're distributing food aid, you're educating people about the virus. So I think you know the workload has really increased and I'm just very appreciative of that, um, that Organizations like Telemon are really working to get direct aid to people right now, um, when they most need it. And farm workers and other, um, minority and, and, vulnerable populations have been hit especially hard as we know. Um, I think in terms of this project, you know, it's coming at a good time because I think people really need healthcare right now, right? Um, and so there's, there's a recognition that this project is, is quite important, that if farm workers are eligible for services, this is a great time to get them into those services. Um, but in terms of what's changed, you know, we know that in-person outreach is one of the most effective ways of reaching educating farm workers, um, giving them information. And that's really changed. You know, right now community outreach workers or promotoras, whatever organizations call them, I mean, there is something great personal risk to do right. face-to-face outreach. I know I've interviewed many promotoras who have themselves contracted COVID. Um, because you know they're going out every day to give people food aid, and so um, just you know I, I always try to take a moment and acknowledge that. But you know organizations on the ground are, are very creative, um, and they've responded to situations um, by adapting their their outreach strategies. So you know some organizations have harnessed radio, um, some or or local television spots. Um, Some have found creative ways to kind of combine efforts. So they leave food aid and they also leave a bunch of information about different services that are available at the same time. Um, So and I've heard also of organizations, you know, doing Zoom conferences um, where people can ask questions, having WhatsApp and text groups where people can ask questions, just giving people a phone call, not only to give them information, but sort of to check in, have that personal conversation that they used to have face to face. Um, So I do think organizations are adapting. Obviously, you know, there are challenges, right? Not everybody can read and write. Um, farm workers have an average of an eighth grade education, so a lot of written resources might not be as accessible to them as a conversation with an outreach worker. Um, you know, the problem of language. If you're uh, some, um, if you speak Creole, if you speak indigenous languages, they're not necessarily languages that are always written down. Um, and so it can be difficult to get information in your native tongue um, but that being said, I'm, I'm really just impressed and appreciative um, of the, the creativity that community organizations like Telemann are displaying in getting people services at the moment. And I think that's going to really um, play to our advantage with the Medicaid project. Um,
0: I completely agree. I think that um, because of the, the circumstances that we found ourselves in that we've had to develop new ways of doing things, a lot of that has to do with technology. And I think in the big picture and in the long run that we will benefit from going and walking through some of these different challenges that we're currently facing. And we're starting to see a little bit more openness and willingness from the farm worker population to, to, to have a more, more receptive to different ways of doing things, such as working and having meetings virtually. So that definitely has been a work product, a work in progress. I also, um, I'm always so appreciative and grateful that I get to work with the farm worker population and other people who are, you know, come from that really proud tradition of farm workers. And Pelomon staff and many of the other community partners involved with the Medicaid Enrollment Initiative really have that same passion. It really is calling almost more than a job. And I, I say that fairly often in my podcast episodes only really because I really believe that it's true. Um, Isabel, we're still relatively new in the process of getting things off the ground with the Medicaid Enrollment Initiative. I would like to give you an opportunity just to talk a little bit about where people could maybe find additional information. I know that you tell them on Michigan Facebook page, for example, that as we move forward with the initiative that you will see people can access more and more new information about it. Where are some other resources that people can learn more about this initiative and Medicaid in general?
1: Sure. Um, for Medicaid in general, you can always go to um, the official websites, right, for those programs. But for information about Farmworker Justice's um, health projects, you can go to our website, which is farmworkerjustice.org. Very easy to remember. Um, you can follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, and I think, you know, that's a wonderful opportunity there. there, There's so many factors that contribute to farmworker health. There's housing, there's, you know, diet. Um, there's pesticide exposure. I mean, there, there are just so many factors that play into this real need for healthcare. Um, and so I think that's a good place to go if you want to just learn more about the farm worker context and all of those social determinants of, of health and, and really the background of why we're doing this um, and why it's necessary. So.
0: Well, and it's really important to note too that even beyond what we've talked about so far, that I would strongly encourage people to go into the Farm Worker Justice Facebook page, follow them on Twitter because this is just one of many really important initiatives that Farmworker Justice is involved with, and you're such a strong advocate for the plight and the needs of the farmworker population that um, we've been through a pretty challenging four years in a lot of ways, and I don't know where we would be without, you know, the boots-on-the-ground effort of Farmworker Justice. So I want to thank you and everyone else who's associated with Farmworker.
1: Thank you. I mean, and, and the feeling is mutual, right? The reason this Medicaid outreach project is going to work, is we have people on the ground who are trusted messengers, and that's not FJ, that's you all, right? People, farm workers know you. They trust you. They know you're not going to steer them wrong. You're going to give them information that you're there to help um, and support and to empower them, right? And so thank you so much for, for building those relationships. Um, that's why we're able to have an out, a national outreach as an organization. It's because all of you are are on, those, on the ground building those relationships so when these materials come down the pipeline, people know they can trust them and they know it's, it's information that's going to ultimately serve them. Yeah.
0: Well, Isabel, I know that we will, obviously, for a lot of different reasons, we will be staying in communication and in touch, and I just want to thank you for participating and talking with me today on Catch the Surf.
1: Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to A Passion to Serve. You can now access all episodes of A Passion to Serve along with blog posts on my new website, apassiontoserve.net. I would love to hear your thoughts about the new website along with comments about the episode or episodes you've been listening to. Until next time.